I'd like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Helen and we're both very happy to be here with you for these days. Just uh, sitting, looking into the room, seeing all your faces and uh, happy to see both uh, some very familiar faces amongst you and equally lovely to see new faces. We'd like to take a little time to speak about the retreat, what we'll be doing and a little bit of why we'll be doing it or what we'll be doing and how we'll be doing it as well. As a, an introduction to the, the time that we have together and it's really quite a special and precious thing to come to a retreat centre such as Gaia House. For some of you you may be wondering what you've got yourself into and uh, hopefully we can allay any concerns that you might have. But it's something quite remarkable and precious to take time out of the busyness of one's life, out of the fullness of the demands and the uh, sometimes relentless pressure of the things we need to take care of. Taking time to stop, to connect with ourselves to begin to explore the tools and the the wisdom that is available to us in order to to learn to live in harmony with life. The practices and the teachings that we'll be sharing over these days are drawn from the the Buddhist teaching and also from the yogic teachings. And they're essentially a response to how life is. So part of what we'll be doing is having the opportunity to get to know, to experience our life as it is, and to see what serves us, what's useful, what can really benefit our lives. And this is really what is of concern and of interest for myself and uh, hopefully for yourselves, that coming on a retreat is... It's not necessarily an escape from our lives. It might look like it in a certain way, sort of getting away from things. But more essentially, it's about entering our lives consciously and wholeheartedly and understanding, learning and exploring what contributes to well-being, to happiness, to freedom, to peace. And understanding also what obstructs our capacity for that. What makes it difficult to know and to understand that directly and for ourselves? And so the spiritual teachings that uh, we'll be drawing on are very much grounded in our own experience. The practices that we'll be offering are practices that have been undertaken by people such as yourselves for hundreds and thousands of years and that have really been shown to be of deep and lasting benefit. And so this retreat is really offered with that intention and that wish that this time be for your deep and enduring welfare. And and so coming together, coming here, as you've done, and I imagine for some of you there have been, in fact I know for some of you, there have been some long journeys to arrive here the journey of this day from your home or your work or the country where you live, which may be far afield for a few of you, and equally the journey of your life that's brought you here, that may be coming, you may be coming for the first time into such an environment as this and perhaps curious, wondering what's it going to be like. Or you may have done this many times before and even if you had, I... Uh, think it not a bad thing nonetheless to be wondering, so what's it going to be like? Because even if we've done it many times before, we don't know how our life is going to be in any moment. We don't know what's going to show up. But we can learn to meet what shows up with an open heart, with a clear mind, and with a capacity to engage with our heart, our mind and our body in a way that supports 
well-being that conduces to happiness and to releasing ourselves from the sense of entanglement with life, the sense of being weighed down and burdened by what it means to live in this world with all its challenges and its demands, to see that there is in fact space, there is perhaps more possibility than we can imagine for our own lives, for our hearts, for our very being itself. And though it may, in some ways, look like some of what we might do will be a little unusual compared to what many of your day-to-day lives might look like, there's something very sane about sometimes not having to just do the ordinary normal thing. There's something quite, uh, quite beautiful about having the courage and the willingness to step away from the familiar and the habitual and to enter rather directly and with a sense of freshness into your life as you discover it, as you find it. And this entering into our life is very much at the heart of what we'll be doing here using different forms, using forms that we might describe as sitting meditation or that we might describe as yoga or as walking meditation, but that really are all forms in the service of this inner journey, this exploring, this seeking. What does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be alive? It's easy to to rush through the sort of survival aspects of just getting it together to keep a roof over our head and food on the table and keeping up with our friendships and family connections and to feel like there really isn't time for more than that in life. And yet if we don't make time for it, it's easy to miss the the deeper dimension of life. And so having given yourself this retreat, having offered this to yourself as an opportunity I'd like to speak a little bit about what will really support that, what will enable you to gain as much as you are able to or to receive as much from it as its potential is to offer you. At one level, what's really important is to just be very simple with all of this. That we don't make something too complicated out of our retreat. Not coming here with a project that you want to complete or a plan for what's supposed to happen here. But being really open to see what does happen, to see what is revealed. And not too quickly placing any judgment or demand upon your experience or upon yourself. It's easy to to come with expectations born of our past experience or if you're new to this, born of what you may have read or heard about meditation or about yoga. And some of that may be useful, but so long as you are not taking it as any certainty about what will happen. Because it's also very easy to come with a certain closeness to discovery. And that sense of openness, being willing to discover something new, is really a gift that you give yourself. Keeping the retreat simple is a gift to yourself and sense of space. Like we're so used to filling our life up with things to do. And here we'll be giving you instructions and full instructions for the meditation practices, the sitting, the walking, the yoga, all of this together. And it's not going to be too complicated. It's not going to be particularly esoteric or sort of... uh, complicated and yet it has the potential to take us really deep into our hearts into our lives and what allows that to happen is the willingness that we each can find within ourselves the willingness to give yourself to your retreat give yourself to your life give yourself to your experience as it unfolds and we'll speak more about that as we go through the days, but having a sense of keeping it simple, like not too much to do here. It's not somewhere that we come along hoping to accumulate more interesting, useful, entertaining or um, 
enlightening experiences. Although such experiences may be part of what arises. It's more like to see what, what, what grows in your heart, and your mind. What can be cultivated? What can be learnt in this process? Which at times might be delightful and sweet and enjoyable. And at times might be challenging or unsettling or difficult. And yet we're here together as a group, as a community. We support each other in entering into this journey together. And so having that sense of giving yourself the space, you also give that sense of space to each other. A space in which we can discover. A space that really invites us to discover our deeper potential as human beings. That although we might experience or feel to live our lives in a way that feels entangled and profoundly limited by the realities of what life demands, we can also come to understand through spiritual practice and through our wholehearted engagement with our life, we can come to understand a a wisdom and a compassion and a freedom that releases our life from its sense of entanglement, releases our heart from its sense of limitation. And giving ourselves space, giving ourselves The opportunity for this is one of the greatest gifts that we can offer to ourselves. As a foundation for this, we ask everyone to undertake the five precepts, which uh, one of the managers will have spoken about, just I think mentioning, I'm not sure who came in, was it Justin I think gave the opening talk, just named the five precepts. In this tradition it's not something that we take as sort of like rules, thou shalt not do this and if you... You know, get it wrong, you're in big trouble. It's more like, what is it to create an environment that's conducive to spiritual practice? Together as a community and equally within our own hearts. To have an undertaking towards not causing harm to others. So far as we're able to refrain from doing that, and the precepts really frame a, a basis for that, we create a sense of safety, we create a sense of openness, of trust, in which we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be tender, to be sensitive, to be open. And in that, we allow ourselves the space to, to unfold, to transform, in accordance with what is happening for us. So having a sense of caring for the well-being of life, yourselves, each other, and all the living things that we share this time and this space with, the creatures of the grounds, and each other. Having a sense of kindness, of well-being, of well-wishing, or wishing for the well-being of each other and ourselves. This is something that really allows us to, to authentically enter into the spiritual practice and spiritual journey. Without it, it's all kind of gymnastics in a certain form. Without that foundation of a commitment to non-harming. And this is expressed through refraining from causing harm directly. Not taking life, so far as we can possibly avoid that. Respecting the material property that we use, that belongs to others. Seeing that it's really painful and causes suffering to us when other people disrespect our own things. So therefore, treating other people's things with respect in the way that we would ourselves wish our things to be taken care of. The second precept of not taking that which isn't given and respecting the property of others. The third precept to refrain from the use or the engagement in sexuality while you're here. It's not out of some rejection or judgment of sexual that sexuality as part of human life, but just seeing that while we're on retreat we have a chance to be with ourselves and to turn our attention inward, to not be seeking for the either sensual or the social gratification that comes through that realm of engagement that can sometimes be very compelling. Of course, it you know, might seem a little strange to have such a requirement. It's like, a, 
there's not much chance of meeting someone in a silent retreat, is there? You know, it's kind of kind of hard to do that sort of sort of attractive one-liner when you're not allowed to open your mouth. But nonetheless, watch how our mind, how your mind might start to think, hmm, some nice people here, hmm, all of that that goes on quite naturally, nothing bad about it. But while you're here, the invitation is to watch what arises rather than have to follow it or go anywhere with it. And there's something quite precious again in giving yourself the gift of being with yourself, not being oriented so much to others. And the fourth precept, to refrain from harmful expressions of speech and to keep the silence while you're here. The silence, and I'll speak about that a little more, but just it's something that's very precious and powerful and supportive to us all, to enter into it wholeheartedly. So when there may be some need for you to speak, if you have to with regard to your work period and to the managers, or if there's a some question you need to address to Helen or myself and there'll be opportunities and interviews to do that with us. And of course, it's fine in that case to speak. I remember once someone coming into an interview and starting to sort of try and indicate without opening their mouth what they wanted to ask about and sort of the sign language was pretty limited, or at least my comprehension of it was. And um, It's not like that, that we uh, can't speak at all. But that sense of being respectful to what's true and what's useful in our use of speech is the way that precept applies. And in the fifth precept, to refrain from the use of alcohol or intoxicants while we're here. And this, again, we might feel like, you know, that has a place in our life and that's fine. But the way we use it sometimes to dull our experience or just to kind of try and get comfortable when we're not actually comfortable in our experience. Here, to not be avoiding or escaping your life in any way, but to see if you can... Learn to meet it and find within yourself the resources that allow you to be at ease in the meeting with your life. This is something that you can do for yourself. And what happens with the use of alcohol or intoxicants? We may start off using it with the intention just to bring some relaxation or ease, but often what it leads to is carelessness and actions that cause harm and lead to regret. For many of you, this is probably a simple thing to say for a few days. I won't use any of that. For some of you, it might be challenging. And for some people, it's you know one of the challenges of their life. I don't know if that's the case for any of you, but just for everyone doing it together really supports each person who might find any one of those particular precepts difficult. So there's a sense of solidarity, a sense of forming a community based on caring, based on respect based on a well-wishing for each other. And that's something really beautiful, something very rare in this world, to have such time. And uh, I think what I find is something kind of lovely, how uh, you know, people are all just very quickly or easily, it seems, start to sense the trust and the safety of the environment. And although people do, and it's quite fine if you wish to, you know, carry handbags around and all of that to begin with, what actually happens quite often is people feel quite free to just let things be and realize that it's safe in that regard. And uh, equally the deeper safety of, of that inner trusting. Trusting in oneself to not that one isn't going to cause harm so far as one can help it. And so to say a little bit more about the silence, which together with that sense of simplicity and the precepts really forms the foundation for the retreat, forms the basis of the environment and the conditions which allow us to most benefit from our time here, from the practice that we do here together. Silence is an element found in many spiritual traditions and recognizes something very powerful, something that allows us to come more directly and more intimately into contact with ourselves and with our deeper truths, our deeper wisdom. Silence doesn't mean that there isn't going to be any sound. And uh, sometimes a little misleading if you thought you were going to come to a silent retreat and there wouldn't be any noise. 
Because at times there might be noise. There might be someone mowing the lawns. There will certainly be birds um, making their noises. You'll have to listen to me and Helen speaking at times. And uh, you might think, but this isn't silent. For some of you that might be a relief. Others it might not be. But what silence is about is a way of being in solitude. That's what silence in the context of this retreat is about. It's a way to be in solitude. To not be drawn out into our habitual and usual wish or need or compulsion to have to engage with other people. And there's something that can be really lovely in all of that and it has its place. Nothing wrong with it as such. But also there can be a real awkwardness and a difficulty around that whole process of somehow trying to make sure that they like me and being afraid that they don't and wondering, you know, how shall I present myself in this situation? All of the complexity around that and all the anxiety and the awkwardness of having to somehow be somebody that gets wrapped up in that world of communication, of talking. And here it's a real gift to just, oh, we don't have to do it. Oh, what a relief. We can just be human beings. We don't have to be our personalities. We don't have to be our stories. We don't have to tell people why we're here and what we're doing with our lives. We can just be here. And so if you find it initially a little strange or unfamiliar or you're not quite sure what to make of it all, I just encourage you to take it gently, but be wholehearted in giving yourself to the silence. Like sort of maybe sort of slipping into a warm bath. You just do a little gently to begin with. It might be just a little bit of a sort of a, a strange feeling to begin with, but in a little while it can become actually quite comfortable. So just to see what that process is like for you. And to be really wholehearted with it. Again, as a gift to yourself and each other. If you've come here with people you know, if you have friends or family or partners, loved ones here, give them the gift of their own space. And yourself the gift also. That allows you to really deepen in your meditation and your yoga practice. And equally allows them to deepen. And supports everybody here there's something, some of the aspects of what we do, as I said, may be challenging. And although it's challenging, what's really supportive is doing it together. Not being on our own. The way that we all can hold and support each other. And how the silence can have a, a feeling of really being something quite substantial and supportive to us. When we enter into it wholeheartedly and yet gently. So we're not, we don't have to be tight. You know, If you're walking in the corridor and you bump into someone and you accidentally say sorry, it doesn't mean, oh no, you've done it wrong you know, and you're in big trouble or spoiled someone's retreat. Sure, it might happen. Likewise, it's okay if you happen to notice someone. and you know, I don't suggest you go around looking to make eye contact with people because it gets kind of complicated not being able to speak and wondering how do you do this saying hello without speaking. But if you happen to see someone and you acknowledge each other, that's okay. But notice how there can be that urge or that wish to kind of check in and see, you know, what do they think of me? Am I okay? Have they got a problem with the fact I didn't smile at them? Well, you know, that's their practice. Your practice is just to see what's going on for you. And so the silence is this place in which we can be with ourselves and really focus on that. And yet, we're all here together, supporting each other. So we don't have to go off and sit in a cave in the mountains all by ourselves to do this. And that's something really, really quite lovely. And a real gift that everyone offers to everyone else here. Silence doesn't just mean refraining in that regard. The spirit of silence isn't about just refraining from speaking. It's about not engaging with others in ways that, you know, maybe when you're doing your work period and you're washing up dishes, you maybe have to sort something out. That's what you need to do. What's practical and necessary sometimes has to be done. Or if you're in a shared room, as most of you will be tonight, and you just need to check out, you know, should we have the window open or closed? Sure, do it, sort it out, you know, finished. Or I'd like it closed, you'd like it open, okay, how about this much, you know, find a compromise, that sort of thing. That's fine, but uh, obviously keeping it to a minimum. But the spirit of the silence is also 
where else that energy goes. And sometimes what that energy goes is to my cell phone. You know, like I don't have to say a word, I can just start texting. Or I can check and see if someone sent me a message. And really my, I mean, to be polite, I'll put it as a strong encouragement because, well, I mean, obviously I can't make you do anything. But really the best thing to do if you brought a cell phone with you is turn it off, put it in the bottom of your bag and leave it there till the end of the retreat. If you don't think you can manage that, give it to Helen and I. We'll look after it for you. We promise we won't make any long international phone calls. And in a way, it's like just protecting yourself from that. Likewise, if you've brought books to read, novels to finish, or even some you know, deep and profound spiritual teachings in the form of a book, leave them in the bag. More profound will be your own experience if you can give yourself to this journey wholeheartedly than anything that's written in a book for you. There's a time and a place for all of that. But for now, again, putting down the world of looking for information or reading, there'll be plenty of input from Helen and I. That's enough. Give yourself the space. Likewise, not engaging in writing. If you're thinking that it would be a good time to come on retreat and sort of work on your autobiography or that you know potential bestseller that you've always known was inside, again, don't do that while you're here. Don't do that. Give yourself the space of having nothing to do. And yet, in not having too much to do, we can and, and putting aside the whole world of words, we can start to drop beneath the kind of conceptual thinking level of life where we can live our life if we don't really take care to, to see that there's more to life than just the world of the mind, the mental construct and activity. And so putting down that world of words allows us to begin to get space from the thinking mind, to begin to drop more deeply and wholeheartedly into the dimensions of life that are not defined by language, that are not recognized or certainly not encompassed by the thinking mind, but that are known and knowable to us in our hearts and the depths of our being. And doing this together, we create an environment that's potent, that's powerful, and that's actually very noble as well. There's a certain quality of something upright and beautiful in undertaking to be together in this way. So I'll have a little bit more to say further on with regard to the meditation practice, but I'd like to pass you to Helen now. Yes, thank you for coming. Um, you were here already for my accent. Uh, I'm not from Scotland. Somebody said, are you Scottish? I'm from Germany. Uh, moved here to England nine years ago. Uh, was coming regularly to Gaia House and somehow it, then we started to teach together. It's always for me a very special time uh, because it has something to do with sharing. For me, being here on this retreat is something where we share something together. Um, my Indian yoga teacher, Raja Gopalan, he said, often people think they come together to practice yoga, but it's the other way around. You practice yoga so that you learn to be together. And I, it's similar to what Jana said, it's kind of appreciating to be together and to explore how can we be together again with some ease, some happiness. And somehow, when I was sitting here, I came very curious what brought you here. Because obviously, this weekend, the 
weather is reasonably well. And you could go to the beach, you could go to the pub, could do all kinds of things, but, but you're sitting here. And that's something which is very special. I was thinking back when, when was my first retreat, and I remember I was a student. I went to university in Hamburg and lived in a shared flat with other people. And one of my friends I lived with said, can you believe, um, she went to some counseling at that time, my counselor is also going on silent retreats. Isn't that a weird thing to do? And I heard this, and immediately there was such a deep response. Wow, I want to do this. So I asked her for the telephone number of this counselor, and I was given the address of the Buddhist center near Hamburg, House of Silence, and went there for a 10-day Vipassana retreat. And looking back, I would say that was one of the events which changed my life. And you don't know it, you go there, but obviously I've, since then I've gone and been on Vipassana retreats and doing formal and non-formal meditation. And due to that, I met my yoga teacher then, Raja Gopalan, because once in a year he was teaching in that center. And what struck me about him was this absolute joyfulness he was he was beaming with joyfulness. And although yoga at that days was quite new, young, it was about 28 years ago, so there was not many, so many styles known about yoga. And it was much more still embedded in a sense of yoga as a spiritual tradition. Uh, and now it's often sold a little bit differently. I, I mean, just when, when I look at some of the points, how now yoga is passed on, it's often said it is a meditative practice, but um, it seems somehow it's very difficult for people to really show that. I mean, I hear advertising about fit into a little back black dress, do yoga, or it was something like uh, yoga without the philosophy. So just sometimes you see that yoga seems to have lost some of the teachings it, which are embedded and I feel which has so much to do with being a human, uh, with wanting to be happy, wanting to be in life with ease. So when I saw my yoga teacher, that was another point in my life where it changed my direction. So I hadn't planned to become a yoga teacher. I had planned to become a school teacher. And for me, it touched something very deeply. And it was this feeling, this, there's somebody sitting there teaching, having a family, having the same issues in life like everybody else. And this person has such a capacity to be happy. And so I followed his path. And I think that's still part of my teaching, trying to show us that practicing yoga is not... It's, being with your body, it's being in your body, it's exploring very deeply what is it that is your body. But it's much less forceful, it has nothing to do with competing, nothing to do with achieving. So if you, if you look into the traditions of yoga, they say all what you're looking for is already there. It's much more a process of uncovering the hidden treasure, which is already there. So the way I teach in the way, don't be worried, because I just looked a little bit through the forms. And obviously we all have sometimes some issues in the body, some knee problems, some sciatica, some all kinds of things which are normal, either due to age or accidents, or perhaps we... We have uh, used the body in specific ways or there's some imbalance in the body. So although we will engage in, in a physical practice, it's a practice which gives a lot of ownership back to you. So you will explore your relationship to your body. How are you treating it? Sometimes it's, it feels we are, we are not really 
in touch with the body. We are not really feeling the body. So there will be a lot of time. It's a very slow practice. We will take time to befriend the body. And then it will become a relationship where the mind is feeling the body and the body is in touch with the mind. It's very gentle. It will be at times due to the slowness, due to holding the postures. You might still feel, oh, it's quite challenging. But I wouldn't stand next to you and tell you, oh, you have to hold it for so long. So you will totally move with your body. And I think that was one of the big releases I had when I went to my yoga teacher because sometimes I experienced it was a little bit strenuous or there was a little bit of a competing with others in the room and to just settle into my body. And obviously the body is seen as a gate. We would say in the yoga practice your body belongs to the mortal. Your body has been born You look after it, it needs movement, you want to keep it mobile, you will feed it, and your body will die. So it belongs to the mortal. But in the yoga practice we are interested in that which is not dying. That what some people might call the divine, or the soul, or whichever name you would give to it. So Using the body is, in this way, therefore, it's not a gymnastic. It's a way of looking into the body, perhaps with trust, with courage. Can I see something in there? Can I feel something in there? Can I open this door to that which is not mortal, to the eternal, to that what is not changing? So my yoga teacher, Rajako Palan, was giving me this joyfulness, showing me the door to that joyfulness. And I remember another yoga teacher who was very influential. I met him before, my Indian teacher. It is the late Robert from Hackeren. He is uh, Hollandish. But he was a very nice old man. And it was similar. When he came to Hamburg, he was already at that time in his 70s. And he... He was such a yogi, he came out of the train and even when he stayed for two weeks, he just had a small backpack. He stayed with people who had invited him and he always did morning sessions somewhere where a room was rented for him. So from six to nine in the mornings, people came sometimes before work. And he did a very traditional, he was sitting up, just showing you the posture and then you had to stay in this posture for quite some time. It was very quiet. And sometimes he was staying a long time in the posture. And then when I opened my eyes, I sometimes saw him nodding off. So he'd just fallen asleep. And he was wondering, why am I sitting in this twisted position for so long? And then he woke up again. And he gave you the next instruction. And it was very quiet. And it was, it was often a smaller group of people. And he was extremely generous. He was at the end of the session, there was just a basket where everybody was putting in money according to what they could pay. And then when we went home and wherever he stayed, he did the shopping, he bought the food, and he immediately shared it out. A very, very kind and generous person. So he was also somebody where I felt he is living something, which I thought was very touching something which becomes so unusual, a generosity. So you might sit here and think, oh, I thought yoga is about what I see in all those books and these fantastic photos. Um, we, will, we will use the body because we have got the body. But we will use the body in, in a way to explore that which sustains the body. We will explore the body to understand what is that that makes the body move. And in this way, it is very well interlinked with the mindfulness practice we are engaging in the insight meditation. Because that means you have to be with it for a little bit longer. It's like when you want to make friends with somebody. 
need some time, can't rush these things. And it's a way of listening and talking to each other. So you will talk to the body, the body will talk to you. So it will, there is a slowing down process. And obviously sometimes our thoughts are on a different speed. So on your first days you might feel, oh, it's very getting very slowly here. Uh, my yoga teacher always said, I think it's the same like when you go from a motorway onto one of these country lanes. <laughs> it's First it's like a shock. You've been driving very, very fast and suddenly you have to slow down and you want to see all the things. So slowing down, give it some time. We will do the practice with closed eyes most of the time and I will give you all the instructions. And that is helping you not to compare yourself with others. Because it will be very easy to look around and have lots of ideas or to compare yourself. You will always see somebody who does it better, whatever that is, or who does it worse. And that can trigger a lot of activities in your mind. So similar to what Jana said, it's your time. It really doesn't matter. You're not a better yogi if your legs is one centimeter off the floor or if they are ten centimeters off the floor. What matters is feeling what you're doing, being in touch with what you're doing. And that's the whole practice, helping us to get in touch to a deeper level. Yeah, so a very warm welcome. wonderful new recording system and uh, the, the recordings that it produces are of highest quality. It does make for a little bit more entertainment in the room with all of this, but uh, the end product seems to work. I've been sitting for a little while now, so before we, uh, I'd like to speak a little bit about the meditation and uh, take a little time to do some together, but if you'd like to just take a moment to stretch, move your body if there's anything that feels a little sore. Uh, don't go too far. We won't be uh, won't be here too much longer. But if you'd like to move or just bring some ease. And when you've done what you need to do, you can just find your way back to your seat or cushion. In meditation, in the insight meditation or vipassana, as it's known in the uh, the language of the Buddha, The practice is really quite simply to be awake and to be conscious of your experience in such a way as to come to both open to it and understand it very deeply. 
and in that opening to it, in that understanding of it, it too, as Helen was saying of the body, our experience becomes a gateway into the truth of our life. So that we connect with the simple immediacy of what is happening. And I'll be offering some particular tools and instructions for ways that are supportive to do that. And yet the journey is not just simply to do it for its own sake, although in fact that's the best way to do it, not be looking for anything from it, but to have a, to have a larger vision with it that the journey of this practice is one that invites us towards awakening, towards awakening to our deepest potential as human beings, to discovering the depths of, of wisdom and compassion that are possible for us to discover freedom in the midst of our lives. This is, this is possible for us, for you. And the foundation and the journey of this awakening is the remarkable and yet also very ordinary capacity we have to be aware of our experience, to be conscious, to be present in what is happening. In so much of our life we can be thinking about what's happening, telling stories about the past or the future. So the meditation is a simple turning or a returning towards what's actually happening. And what supports us to do that initially is to choose a way of being present with our experience that enables us to steady and stabilize the heart and the mind that are otherwise so busy and fragmented much of the time. So we use the body and within the body the very particular experience of the breathing as something that we can connect with, something we can engage with as a gateway into an abiding, an abiding rather lovely word that comes or is related to the word abode or home. It's like learning what it means to come home in our life, where we are. It's not somewhere else that we need to get to. But something that we need to learn to turn towards. And this is really our practice. To again and again turn towards our life. Moment after moment. And so we begin by just, and we'll, we'll, I'll just give a few brief instructions for the meditation now. And tomorrow morning after breakfast and the first sitting at that time, I'll be giving further instructions in much more detail than I'll give this evening. But just to begin with, feeling the sense of your body as you're sitting here, noticing if there's any sense of comfort or ease or discomfort, feeling tired or heavy or maybe light or bright. However, it is just noticing that, letting it be okay if you can, that this is how your body is right now. But within that, settling yourself into a posture that feels upright, not rigid or tight, just has a sense of uprightness to it. And at the same time, relaxing. So allowing yourself to be at ease, not putting yourself under pressure. Relaxing, but without abandoning that sense of uprightness, not collapsing, just maybe take a moment to notice if there's tension in your body, in your face, maybe around the eyes or the cheeks or jaw. And just inviting that to release, to relax, so far as it can without forcing. Allowing the shoulders to be soft, chest and belly to be soft and open. And generally useful to have the eyes closed unless you're feeling very drowsy. In which case you can have them just half open and focus softly on the floor in front of you or person's back if that's what's right in front of you. But not looking around or looking at anything. 
having the eyes a little open will help you stay alert but generally having them closed and then noticing the experience of your breathing whatever it feels like whatever you notice and experience directly in your body as the breath is drawn into your body and released that simple rhythmic process that sustains your life moment after moment and just however and whatever you feel as you breathe in your body not thinking about it or imagining it but feeling it directly if you can't feel anything at all of your breathing you might bring your hand for a little while to your belly or your chest and you might notice that helps you feel it more clearly sense of movement if that's useful you can do that for a little while but it's not necessary unless you find it helpful and just allowing your attention to relax into that experience connecting with that experience of breathing natural organic bodily process that's right there you don't have to manufacture it and as such it's a really useful place to focus and gather your attention and as you do that as you simply experience the breathing as it comes in goes out you may notice your attention is drawn to something else that's fine simply notice that that's happened it's not a problem or a mistake but simply notice that your attention has been drawn to something else and then come back to the breath so for a time as we begin in this practice we use the breath as a way of anchoring and grounding ourselves but not setting up the other experiences as somehow problems or obstacles leaving space for what arises and yet having the intention to reconnect with the breathing using that experience of breathing and equally the noticing of other things arising when they do as a way of being connected and present of being awake moment by moment breath by breath and so we'll sit together for really just a few minutes practicing in this way being present with your breathing 